Welcome to episode 75 of FRT. I'm Brad Carr, once again at home in the suburbs of Washington. And today we have a special episode on the IAF Deloitte Supplemental Report, COVID-19 Catalyzes and Accelerates Transformation in Financial Services. Part of the IAF Deloitte Realising the Digital Promise series on the challenges and success factors in digital transformation. This FRT episode was recorded as part of one of our recent webinars where the IAF Deloitte project team discussed some of the highlights from that report with a particular lens on the future and the key impacts and lessons that are most likely to endure into the post-COVID environment when we eventually, hopefully, get there. We're joined by a number of guest experts, practitioners from across the industry. You'll firstly hear from Anut Kaka, Principal and Financial Services Strategy Lead at Deloitte, together with Orku Rowe, Technical Director, Office of the CTO at Google Cloud, as they discuss the fundamental shifts that have emerged from the pandemic, how firms have ensured continuity, and the infrastructure needed to support the new services needed beyond the crisis environment. Then we'll go to my IAF colleague, Conan French, together with Yako Grobler, Chief Risk Officer at First Rain Bank, and they will discuss the key future implications and how to thrive in the new normal. Lastly, we'll have Michael Tang, Partner and Head of Global Digital Transformation for Financial Services at Deloitte Canada, and Andreas Wahlbergstock, Head of Strategy, Office of the CTO at Citi. They'll also look at the new normal that lies ahead, but in particular with the proactive initiatives to launch where perhaps there is still time. A quick reminder that there are a couple of visual slides that relate to this episode, available on this episode's webpage on the IAF website, Also, a series of links to some notable content from the various guests that we have today. So let's dive in, and we start with Puneet Kaka. COVID-19 has dramatically accelerated the rate of digital adoption in financial services, um, causing unprecedented changes in human behavior and forcing new ways of working for financial institutions. Now, the four fundamental shifts which are creating a ripple effect throughout the industry, um, I'll highlight a few of them. Uh, the first one, of course, is the forced adoption of online, mobile, and call center channels. You know, the limited mobility and shelter-in-place orders across the globe have forced rapid adoption of digital channels and financial services. You know, as an example, in the U.S., uh, which has traditionally lagged other countries in digital adoption, 35% of customers have increased their online banking usage during COVID-19. And, of course, this trend extends beyond retail to institutional clients as well. The second one I would highlight is uh, the tipping point for digital and contactless payment. You know, there has been a huge acceleration toward digital and contactless payments as consumers shift a great share of their purchases online and businesses. Um, and as an example, I would highlight is, you know, Visa saw more than customers in Latin America make their first ever online transaction in the March, March quarter of this year. The third one um, I would highlight is overnight virtualization of workforce and ways of working, which, by the way, we all are getting impacted, uh, not only just financial services firm, but as you can imagine, financial institutions have gone from hardly any employees working from home to transaction, transitioning majority of employees to a remote work model. Um, you know, in U.S., uh, Bank of America and Wells Fargo, as an example, have transitioned nearly 70% of their workforce uh, to work from home. Even traders uh, and capital market uh, folks who have traditionally been, uh, you know, tied to their office have shifted to remote work in large quantities. Um, so that has been a big shift uh, in the marketplace. And the fourth one I would say is evolution of underlying market structure and economics. Um, as you can imagine, after several years of uh, relative stability, COVID-19 has ignited a fundamental shift in the size and structure of the financial services uh, industry. Uh, fueling margin pressure for the organization. Um, I would say competitive dynamics have likely continued to evolve as big tech redoubles its entry into financial services, 
leveraging its size, scale, and expanding role in the daily lives of consumers. And of course, the smaller fintechs could be put at risk with their funding model. Of course, these evolutions may have significant implications on build by partner decision for many industry players. Uh, so we'll continue to see the evolution of uh, the market structure and economics. So those were the four fundamental shifts I wanted to highlight. With that, maybe I'll bring in uh, our guest speaker, uh, Ulku, uh, in the mix. You know, as you heard, Ulku, the four fundamental shifts, what has most resonated for you from the COVID-19 experience? I think, uh, you know, this, this, this sudden shift almost overnight to digital for everything, for, for consumers, for companies, for individuals. You know, I think um, I'll highlight two of the ones that you, you've mentioned. I think one of them is this, this surge in remote work. You know, today I join you from my living room from New York. And I think we've seen this in our, in our customers, in Google Cloud customers in the financial services space, as they moved their employees to remote work environments, you know, we've seen this, this phenomenal sh um, increase in demand for, you know, some of our video conferencing tools like Google Meet uh, and collaboration tools, you know, helping our customers um, go through this transition. And then the other one is this, um, this moving of all transactions online, you know, almost like the the economy itself just moving to online overnight. We've seen increased demands in um, our transaction volumes in online, um, online applications and mobile applications. And that the two of those, you know, the, the remote workforce plus the sudden change to digital for all transactions consumed most of our early days as we, as we tried to help our customers as Google Cloud in the first early days. Now, what would you most highlight in terms of how cloud both has proven to be a vital enabler in ensuring continuity and resilience to the crisis and also underpins the types of new services uh, that will be very important in this environment? Yeah, so I think, you know, for us, the early days was all about you know, enabling our customers so that they continue to be able to serve their customers. You know, financial services is an essential function of, you know, not just our daily lives, but for world economies to continue to function, you know. So it's very important for financial service institutions at any time, but especially during a crisis, to be able to continue functioning. So early days for us was, you know, really helping our customers to be able to handle the surge in traffic and need into their online platforms and mobile transforms because they needed additional computational capacity, they needed additional uh, storage. And, and in a way, you know, they saw this almost, you know, Black Friday type volumes in their systems, you know, each day and every day. So helping them ensure that they can um, help their platforms not just stay online, but to be able to deal with this increase in scale that, um, that was unprecedented almost. And, and then also, you know, being able to help their employees and their customers as they started exclusively operating from their own homes. You know, especially I think in financial services, some of the disaster recovery and, um, and, and business continuity planning made certain assumptions about where people were going to be. You know, there was this assumption that workforces could either continue to work from their corporate headquarters or they could work off of satellite sites. And some of those assumptions were invalidated overnight. So not just helping them get their, um, get their 
employees and consumers online, but to be able to do that under this like shifting paradigm of what normal looks like was, was our priority early days. So those are kind of the, the, the ways, you know, cloud has helped them, I think, in the early days. But I think like more um, looking forward, what this has um, highlighted is, you know, you mentioned it as well, this acceleration of some uh, existing trends, right? The, the shift to online didn't come with COVID. It's been there, you know, for the last few years. So, and then to be able to um, continue this work environment, it is really important for financial institutions to modernize their platforms. It is important for them to be able to change their organizations to be more data-driven, to be decisions to be made based on that data, and to be able to um, serve their consumers better no matter what channel they came in. So um, not only, you know, cloud was able to help them in the short term, but I think cloud is also helping them to put their institutions in the right place so that they can face the, the future in a more confident way. What do you think will be the most enduring lesson for how financial services operate uh, when we get beyond the current crisis into post-COVID world? And I know there's a lot of uncertainty around it, but if and when that happens. Yeah, I, I think you said it well, right? We, we don't know when the next crisis is going to be. We don't know what it's going to be. We do know there will be one. So the important thing is for us to be prepared so that we can handle um, any crisis that might come our way. And, and the way to do that is to make sure that our organizations have the agility, both, both from a business perspective and the technology infrastructure, to be able to support that agility. I think that's what's most important. Yeah. And how do you get that agility without compromising security, without compromising compliance, and, and, and still providing a great consumer experience? I think that's, that's, a, that's the lesson. It has been a remarkable period with the shifts to cashless payments, to working from home, and the rapid conversion of many businesses to e-commerce. I also want to give a quick plug for the IF paper on cloud's role through this crisis, uh, which you can also find on the IF's website. Again, not only in terms of continuity, but also in terms of supporting some of the future services that are needed, as Orku has articulated. Uh, and I want to also give a shout out there of thanks to uh, Scotiabank, HSBC and Santander, as well as Google Cloud, who generously provided some case studies to that paper. Moving on now to our second part on the future implications and thriving in the new normal. And my IAF colleague, Conan French, is going to set out the six major themes that we covered in that section of our report. Conan's then going to be joined by Jaco Grobler, the Chief Risk Officer at First Rand Bank, and author also of Here Comes a Big Paradigm Shift, a book that he published in January, which is all the more remarkably relevant in terms of the COVID-related incidents that have occurred since his publication. Over to you, Conan. Thanks, Brad. Well, as we've heard, you know, COVID was not a short temporary disruption. It's really been an accelerated shift to a new normal. Customer behavior is usually slow to change with the last six months. You know, we've seen grandparents on Zoom, as, as uh, Puneet mentioned, traders working from home, e-commerce becoming the new norm. So against this backdrop, uh, we found six key things that um, financial service companies need to do to thrive in this new environment. 
The first one is that digital channels are now the baseline requirement. So you need to do a little more to differentiate beyond that. Um, all services are now shiny icons on phones or, or online. Um, so moving things uh, along the development curve, and that means creating natural interactions on your digital platform. It means deploying data-driven services that anticipate customer needs but don't creep them out. Um, embedding transactions so that they feel smart, easy, seamless, and anticipate actions. And as one leader put it, simply um, delight the customer with your services. Second point is the focus on costs. Lower rates for longer, loss provisioning, public pressure on dividends, hitting the ability to raise capital, all add up to new industry economics. And this is going to require a laser focus on cost to serve the customer. Digital-only banks have demonstrated some impressive ratios that you see here. And while we think that this uh, gap will shrink, convergence somewhere in the middle will be essential moving forward. Um, accelerate digitization of processes in the value chain. What does this mean? It means that we need to keep finding efficiencies in onboarding, middle office processes, KYC, AML, fraud. They all need to be transformed and making sure that you have a good API architecture to support ongoing automation will be essential and links back to that cost to serve the customer point. Fourth is we're moving to next level in remote workforce and workplace. You know, operations and people proved very resilient to pivot in the short term, but we think that leading remotely uh, is proving to be a greater challenge. Uh, Reimagining how you build teams and culture, create new connections and drive innovation all need to be on the agenda. And the last two points uh, focus on risk management. Distributed workforce and operations means that you've got a distributed uh, cyber attack surface. So new approaches to tackle this increased cyber and compliance risk are required um, in a new distributed workforce. And the last point really keys off onto the work that um, Yako uh, uh, catalyzed in our minds, and that's uh, new risk management concepts for changing third-party risks um, from new entrants. And we included a, a quote from his book um, that I think encapsulates this perfectly, and that is, as technology companies start entering the payment value stream and financial service companies become increasingly more technology-driven, the areas of distinction will become blurred and competition will become fiercer. Those players who are best at providing platforms that are effective, efficient, and provide customers with comfort over ethical use of data are the most likely to succeed. So with that, I'd like to move on to uh, Yako. And I think our first question for you is a CRO at, at First Grand. What most stands out for you in this environment, both in terms of the new risks and all the, also the risk of not adapting? Okay, thanks, Karina. Um, so I think uh, might be important to note is there's a number of long-term trends that is starting to converge, and COVID-19 and the lockdown has basically been a trigger event to to fast track that change. One can uh, typically bucket those into financial uh, technology and uh, people-related risks. Um, the financial crisis, on the financial side, I think we still have to see how the, the debt crisis plays out. Um, technology is probably the one where we see most excitement. That's where the opportunity comes out of all of this. Uh, Pre-COVID-19, um, everyone has been embarking on a, a digitization journey. Um, and what I would like to refer to adopt uh, quantum systems and quantum thinking. What I mean with that is uh, everything connected in everywhere, anytime, independent of space uh, and time. And um, what COVID-19 has done is to actually fast track that. 
And what you see now is the old ways of working, which were more akin to analog systems where they were all independent, very fixed to particular boundaries, particular teams, particular locations have now all of a sudden changed to people can work anywhere, anytime, um, uh, on any topic, and they work across teams as well. So that is a very significant fundamental shift that has happened very rapidly. I think the challenge, uh, however, is that the technology platforms are there to enable that, but uh, it's difficult to adapt from a culture perspective and a behavioral perspective and also change um, the legacy and the older uh, operational processes. So um, if, if there was ever a good time to, to do that, I, I think now is probably the best time ever be, be, because we've had that catalyst event. And certainly in our organization, we see a massive impetus uh, on that. Um, so previously, the case for digitization in some areas might have been limited. Now it's, it's an absolute no-brainer and, and, and the tremendous amount of effort is going into that. I think the challenge going forward would be how do we deal with that from, from a culture and a people perspective? Uh, because these things do bring about um, uh, lots of uh, fears and uncertainty in, in the workforce. Um, and on your question, the risks of not adopting, I, I think any organization that does not embark on a digitization um, and a data-driven st strategy will become irrelevant uh, probably quite soon. So there's actually no option but to do that. Yeah, I would like to pick up that point a little bit further. Uh, and, and with reference to your book here, uh, Here Comes a Big Paradigm Shift. A remarkable piece you wrote, uh, published in January, uh, I read it, I think, in April, and it really felt like you know, you'd foreseen a number of the underlying forces and trends at play that were perhaps waiting for some sort of catalyst, and lo and behold, COVID has suddenly appeared and been that catalyst. But one of the things that you highlighted, um, and which Conan referenced uh, earlier, that, uh, that you highlighted in your book was about the criticality of the ethical use of data and how that can potentially be a positive different differentiator for firms, uh, for firms that are able to manage the ethical use of data well. And I think a lot about the Bank of England Future of Finance report last year, which was one that called out that banks are more trusted in this space and, and have uh, a better record, a better opportunity, perhaps. I was wondering if you could just elaborate a little bit more on that theme. Uh, yes, thank you, Brad. I think ethical use of data is incredibly important, mainly because banks are in the business of trust. Um, if you compare uh, banks versus uh, tech companies, you will find that tech companies tend to offer services um, mostly for free, but they uh, then have to monetize the data in order to turn a profit, and that creates conflict of interest from an ethical use uh, perspective. Banks, however, have always charged for the service and uh, haven't necessarily monetized the data. Um, as we progress along this journey and, and the lines get blurred, um, I think the ethical use of data will be the key differentiator because all parties can probably uh, reach the end goal of having efficient and effective systems. But from a customer perspective, I think the ethical use of data will be the, the, the big differentiator because that's at the end of the day where, where trust will reside. What in the COVID experience do you think has been the biggest driver or accelerator for the trends that you outlined in this paradigm shift? Yeah, I think by far the biggest, uh, um, I would say, catalyst has been the uh, relocation of workforce. Um, that has forced the adoption of 
digital way of working um, at, a, at a pace that probably would have been unimaginable bef before. Um, previously, most networks were people-based. So everyone engaged on a face-to-face -face or a meeting basis. Uh, if you wanted to participate in a, uh, a global conference like this or um, uh, get a vendor from uh, another country, you had to travel um, to do that. Now you can literally do that at the click of a button. Uh, and I think that is very significant and a very profound change. Um, I think it will take some time to adapt. Um, and, and I think they, the, the impact on humans and the workforce is something that we don't quite yet understand. Um, and I think that probably, although it's not a te technology issue, will probably be one of the bigger challenges for organizations going forward. From Chief Risk Officer's point of view, I think uh, a lot of your comments align a bit with what Daniel Moore of Scotiabank has sometimes said uh, in IIF Fora about how there's the need to use technology to make the decision-making and the culture of the risk function more focused on, on being data-driven rather than relying on traditional orthodoxies. And I think you've really underlined that, not only from the risk function's perspective, but perhaps across the broader enterprise as a whole. So, so thank you. And now for our final part, we're going to look ahead to the new normal how you prepare for that new normal and what are some of the no regret actions, if you like, that you can take now to ensure that your, your firm is best placed to be able to seize the opportunity in the new world. And to kick off this, this subject, we're going to firstly hear from Michael Tang, who is Partner and Head of Global Digital Transformation for Financial Services at Deloitte Canada, joining us from Toronto. And then we're going to bring Andreas Wahlberg's doc into the conversation. Andreas is the Head of Strategy in the office of the CTO in City, uh, based in South Florida. This is about sharing some of the observations of what we actually heard in terms of no regret decisions or no regret actions and it really seizing the moment of COVID thinking from a positive perspective. We summarize these 10 observations around three key themes. Number one is around customers. The second one is the enterprise itself comprised of whether they're the business themselves, shareholders or stakeholders. And the third group was employees and the workforce in the workplace. Let me just treat top quickly one example of each. And the first one was around customers. It was a really a real good opportunity to figure out how to hyper-personalize advice-driven services. And as you heard Alku say, things need to be data-driven. And when you combine that with trust, that's the real opportunity post-COVID. If you actually have data-driven insights that you can provide your customers, and you actually have an opportunity to not only build trust or regain trust and wealthy, you get into this data virtuous cycle where they will provide you more data. Therefore, you can personalize their services and offerings as well. As we move over to the enterprise, we all know that with this recession, um, organizations are going to have to operate much leaner. And if you take a look at the second example here, we're seeing a lot of organizations either begin or really accelerate identifying structural cost takeouts. And this is really about getting leaner and figuring out whether you're digitizing processes or truly transforming cost structures. And third, if we expand beyond just the workforce to the workplace, we've heard stories where organizations have taken days and weeks to complete what would have been planned in months and quarters. What are those behaviors, cultures, and new norms that organizations would like to sustain once we get out of this pandemic phase that we want to embed into the natural operating model and operating rhythm of the uh, enterprise. 
So with that, I'm going to um, bring over Andreas and ask the first question. Of what I just shared and the 10 observations of the no regret actions, which ones resonate with you or with City? Thanks. So I, I, I would say uh, I'm definitely focusing on the, the third pillar, the uh, employees, the workforce, and what you change about the way you do things. Uh, and, and here's the main reason why. I think um, it, 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 it may be inappropriate to talk of a silver lining of the pandemic, given the, the costs in suffering and in lives. But if there is such a thing as a silver lining in this sort of scenario, it's uh, in the opportunity to force change. And to that point, I would say the first two pillars, if you're a bank, if you're in financial services, if you were not already doing everything you could to drive digitization as rapidly as you could, if you're not already focused on personalizing services using data, if you were not already trying to systematically take out cost every time you touch something, every time you look at something, it's a little late for no regret actions. You're probably already regretting not having started to think about that beforehand. It's you know, really only been weeks since the pandemic really hit. Uh, I know our, our perception of time is a little bit distorted by all this, but it hasn't been such a long time. And frankly, if this was the call to action, who was it a call to action for? Who was it a wake-up call for? Were there any banks out there that were saying, well, let's digitize, but let's take our time, or let's digitize, but within limits, we don't want too many people moving from our branches to our mobile app, or you know, I, I, I'm not sure any conversations like that were taking place anywhere. So I would really focus on the third pillar, which in my mind is the one that's driven, triggered by, by uh, what's been going on. And I would say, counterfactually, had you asked any bank to take the plunge and experiment with, hey, how would it work if we tried to get everybody to work remotely? That would never have happened for so many reasons, reputational risk, operational risk, regulatory, uh, and, and just the, the sheer uh, sort of operational resilience risk that things would break down. Well, we've all been thrown in at the deep end into something that would have been impossible to experiment with. And I think what we found is, well, knock on wood, but, you know, things seem to be working. And so the pivot now is how much of this should be baked into the way we work. I don't know if there are any statistics out there about the average time that the average bank employee spends, used to spend getting to work and coming home. But if you think of all those hours as recuperation, right? Material effort, labor that you recover either for people to work during that time or for people to relax during that time and be more productive when they are at their desks are those things that you want to go back on. There's a case that is being made uh, in, in some quarters to say we're running on fumes. We are still leveraging the personal relationships that had been built, the team dynamics that we had constructed before COVID. And at some point, that risk's running out, and uh, we could find ourselves starting to get a little uh, uncoordinated and uh, disconnected. And that sounds like it's something that needs to be uh, 
looked at, uh, but that said, overall, uh, there are clearly a lot of uh, fine decisions to be made about who needs to be coming, you know, by the thousands and spending so much of their time every day to just do their work in isolation, but in the same place. And uh, then, you know, larger questions around what that means for uh, the commercial real estate that is so expensive and uh, your location strategy overall. So I'll stop there, but uh, that, that's where I would focus. No, I appreciate that uh, balanced view because about some of them are already regretting. Um, and it reminds us of a discussion we had in a prior web webinar with Tiziana Bianco, who was the former CBA uh, Innovation General Manager. And she had mentioned or made a comment saying, well, shame on the organizations that it takes something like a COVID pandemic to do some of these like no regret decisions on its own. Now, recognizing that three of these themes are fairly internal to the organization. If we move forward to the series of uh, the promise of uh, digital, what are your views on external entities of how it could influence larger digital transformation, whether they're regulators, policymakers, governments? Do you have a point of view on that? Uh, that that's definitely going to be the next chapter. I think Regulators and other agencies are uh, just like other human organizations. They too have had to adapt. They too have had to figure out how to supervise and examine remotely. And uh, I, if, if there was one takeaway from this dimension, I would say probably a big, big explosion in uh, reg tech and soup tech investment, uh, both for banks to comply with reg tech in, in more automated and, and more uh, real-time ways, and for supervisors to be able to plug into the data uh, uh, on a more continuous uh, approach. Thanks to Punit, Olku, Conan, Yako, Michael and Andreas for sharing their thoughts. I should add that this COVID Catalyst Supplemental Report and all the reports in the Realising the Digital Promise series are freely available on the IAF and Deloitte websites. We've also started holding focus groups and interviewing executives and officials for our next report in this series, and we welcome all further input. And more widely, the use of cloud that we discussed with Orku, the ethical use of data that Yako stressed, both as a potential source of conduct risk and also a positive differentiator, and the renewed focus on RegTech and SubTech that Andreas highlighted, will each be central parts of the IAF digital finance agenda through the remainder of 2020. On that note, a few specific things to look forward to. Firstly, looking ahead with our Realising the Digital Promise series, our next report will focus on the external ecosystem, the regulatory environment, the investor base, some of the challenges and inconsistencies with data regimes around the world. On the events side, we'll have the IAF Digital Interchange from September 14 to 18. This will bring eight one-hour sessions, four of those being timed for Atlantic audiences and four for Pacific-facing audiences. We have a great lineup, including BBVA Chairman Carlos Torres Villa, Pingan Co-CEO Jessica Tan, and European Central Bank Board Member Etty Hakaranen. And then, of course, in October, we'll have the IAF Annual Membership Meeting and an IAF Day of Transformational Technologies as part of DC Fintech Week. Lastly, looking ahead here on FRT, we're going to look at US-China tensions and whether the current controversy with TikTok, for instance, is a portent to a greater technology schism across the world. Yako, who joined us today, is one who had highlighted last year how banks and telcos across Africa were headed in different directions between Western and Chinese tech. And there's some interesting implications to consider. We'll also look at efforts at digital services taxation being a source of US and Europe tensions and I suspect an increasingly central issue for national treasuries around the world with growing deficits and continue paying in their domestic business sectors while the growth of e-commerce firms globally continues. 
We'll look at portability between clouds, noting the increased criticality of cloud that Orku Rowe spoke about earlier in this episode. And we'll look at the Australian consumer data right, which has perhaps emerged as a prototype in the effort to go beyond mere open banking and towards a broader open data ecosystem, one that is perhaps, hopefully, more consistent across all sectors. So please join us again then. This is Brad Carr signing off for FRT.